Picture it. Marriage, an architect, or crime for a few examples. Did you picture it through a gay lens? We didn't think so. Society associates most things through heterosexual norms, but what happens when it's looked at differently? Every week, we examine different situations, peoples, and events to challenge the status quo. Join us in creating a space that allows you to access a new wealth of knowledge and representation for the LGBTQIA community and its achievements as well as its struggles. Hi, I'm your co-host, Jamie Wildgoose. And I'm Austin Pellegrin-Webb. And thanks for tuning in to Queers in Your Ears. Well, howdy. Welcome back, Queer Wigs. And how are we doing today, Austin? We're surviving, we're thriving. It's Monday evening, and we are vibing. I agree. I mean, it's only the start of the week, so I'm hoping it can't get any worse from here. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's my response to that. (laughs) I feel like once you get past Wednesday, you're like in the clear. Yeah, but it's 2021, so every day is a living nightmare. It's a test. (laughs) From Satan. Not the good one. Not the Wiccan Satan. Like, the Bible Satan. So, like, Hades? Like, Lil Nas X lap dance customer. Gotcha. Yep. So, what are we going to be talking about today? Um, let's talk about sex, baby. Is this, is this the sex this one is the class? sex. This is the sex episode. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I was here for it. You are here. You are queer. And we are in your ears. And this is the only episode that I've showed up for. (laughs) Jamie pulled his own boss and said, I'm not going to show up for work today. (laughs) You got to do it sometimes. You know, explosive diarrhea just gets you. I mean, that gets me every other Monday. So you got me on an off week. See, I think our cycles aren't aren't synced for that because I'm every other Wednesday. Gotcha. Maybe we can catch up if we eat the same amount of burritos during the week. True. I'm at seven already. So you better catch up. Um, Honey, check my Chipotle rewards. (laughs) If only you could do, like, Chipotle competitions with people instead of, like, the activity on your Apple Watch. So instead of closing your rings, you close your burrito bowls. Yeah. I love that. We should do that. I would do a podcast uh, or a YouTube channel where we just mukbang Chipotle all the time. We should just make it a new app. It's, like, the new social media app. Yeah, you can log in, but you have to have Chipotle in your mouth. And it's called Chipotle Bang. (laughs) Chipotle Bang. Chipotle Bang. I love it. It's in the works, but we'll get there. (laughs) It's in the development stages. Well, anyway, back to the topic at hand. We're talking about sex today, specifically sex education and how it relates to the LGBTQIA community, as we always do. And I'm really excited for this episode. I'm also really excited about this episode. So we are going to structure it a little differently today. I know we're usually pretty factual. Um, I think if we want to, we can slowly ease our audience into the new format. So we'll have Jamie start with a little information and then I'll go and then we'll kind of like... uh, kick it off from there. Sure. This episode is really going to be more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Austin and I wanted to share our experiences in our own lives of our sexual education, Um, especially since it's not something that's heavily talked about in schools at all. Um, I think it's just important for younger generations and even older generations just to know some sexual health facts so you can better equip yourself to be protected and in the know. Love that. And later on the show, we'll get into a little pop quiz because it is sexual education. Um, And I'm also really excited. I wanted to point something out that we have kind of different 
educational backgrounds just from a regional perspective. So Jamie, tell the audience where you went to middle school and high school. So I went to middle school in Connecticut. Ooh. And I went to high school in Connecticut as well. Love um, that. So I went to middle school in South Carolina and high school in North Carolina. So as I wanted to point out, you have a very Northern or Northeastern educational background and I have a very Southeastern Bible Belt educational background. So let's kick it off. Do you want me to go or you want to go first? Take it away. So I wanted to kind of hover above the topic of sexual, 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 education. Yes. Sorry, I got off topic. Club 96. Club 96 and a half. We couldn't afford the copyright to Club 96. <laughs> so sexual education in the United States is what we're going to be focusing on. But I wanted to kind of back out and give an overview of what that really means to our listeners. So we teach sexual education to young adults because that's probably a good time to do it. It should have been maybe a little earlier when they're still like not laughing at the word balls yet. But... I'll get to that in a second. But we teach it to kind of the average grade is sixth grade, essentially, in America. Sorry. And that's important because uh, we also want to know what kind of sexual education we're giving. So we have three main big groups of sex ed. Can you guess what they are? Three kind of philosophies of how we teach sexual education to our our sixth graders. What do you think they are in America? Now I understand. Okay. I would say one is abstinence. Mm -hmm. Abstinence only. So an emphasis on on not having sex at all as the main form of birth control and STI prevention. What else? Um, I would then probably say protected sex. Abstinence plus is what it's referred to. Yes, I think you're dead on. So essentially it's like, if if you have sex before marriage, we don't talk about that essentially. But if you have sex just to have a child, just to procreate, so that also implies heterosexual sex, so sex between a man and a woman, then, you know, we'll teach about that. So essentially they only teach about sex in its regards to reproduction and not recreational sex, which a lot of people in the United States have all the time. So what else? I'm drawing a blank. I, those are the only two that I really... Well, it uh, it makes sense because the last one is a comprehensive sexual education. So something that touches upon sexual intercourse as a recreational and also between uh, people of different or same genders, essentially, um, or other, which we'll also get to later in the show. So that's the three philosophies. I think you got them right off the bat, Jamie. Good job. Ugh, I, mean, I love two out of three it. Three isn't bad. No, I mean I think you did. Um, so that is really, really important to touch upon because what are we teaching our kids? We want to know what why it's important that we we have those three classifications. Well, it's important because there are philosophical and political opinions on what is appropriate to teach our children, and we see huge discrepancies in what regional um, school districts how they appreciate that, how they, which one they see as appropriate. So I was raised as a very, I was taught abstinence only sex education. So I'll come out and say that right away. So that was what what we were taught in South Carolina. Do you want to delve a little more into the abstinence only? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's what's most commonly taught, especially in this area. We're recording in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's a Southeastern 
town in North Carolina, um, in the Piedmont specifically. And we are very Southern. We are definitely in the Bible Belt. However, we have pockets of like, I guess, forward thinking citizens of the city of Charlotte is one of them. Some people say Raleigh and Asheville. Those are all metropolitan areas. That's elitism. But anyway, that's what we're taught here. We're taught abstinence only because I think it's just the strictest way, um, the easiest way, probably the most comfortable way to teach sexual education because sex here is obviously not viewed as enlighteningly as other parts of the country and other parts of the world. So I definitely understood growing up, I had kind of this um, understanding that this was like really odd and I probably knew more going into the class as a sixth grader than they actually taught me because we also had access to porn at our age. I mean, let's be for real. We've been growing up with the internet our whole life. So um, so that's kind of bizarre. And I, I also kind of think it's laughable because of that. Like, I think a lot of people in my part of the country, and maybe yours too, kind of viewed sex education as this big joke because we knew more and we were exposed to more at a younger age. Um, and we knew that they were kind of withholding on us, essentially. And we also were, like, raised by pro- more progressive people than our parents were raised by. So we have, you know, a lot of, I mean, forward thought and in our homes millennials i mean as a general it's like as a whole obviously there are exceptions but so that's just my kind of like overview of abstinence only i'm not going to get into the details of what they taught us specifically because i think you can google that on your own jamie i can (laughs) i can google it and i will incognito later um my upbringing for sex education was definitely a little different. Okay. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear this because we joke that you're like the northerner. But you're from Connecticut. That's a very northeastern state with very northeastern culture. It was was definitely interesting. We didn't touch upon sex education until high school. Mm -hmm. So in eighth grade, we had a home ec where we would like learn how to sew and all this other stuff. So we kind of learned the the like anatomy of a human being in home ec in conjunction with science. Hmm. And then when we got to freshman year, that's when we um, would take a class. I believe it was called like homeroom 101. And that was kind of our health class. That's so bizarre. So in the health class, they went over the various topics of Hmm. what you could expect. Um, And then they went into, as you said, abstinence plus. Okay. I would say. So they, you know, talked about the ways that you can prevent getting an STD or Mm -hmm. STI and as well as getting pregnant. Right. um, For the men and the women. Um, But other than that, after that one semester long course that lasted four months, that was really the only thing that we got. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I think that's also a pretty common experience. I think our two experiences make up the majority of everyone. Because I don't know a single person who had a comprehensive sex ed class. But I know it's, I know they're out there. There's very few states that offer that kind of right. education. And I believe that is to a detriment of society, oh. essentially, to not have comprehensive sex. Because most people our age, like you said before, have had technology at their fin- fingertips and they pretty much came out of the womb. So a lot of people will Google certain things to kind of read up on that education and that isn't always correct it's not correct and sometimes it's just not it's not the time or the place to do that and that's why i think a lot of times you have a younger generation who gets pregnant earlier and has they're hypersexualized so 
I know for me, we had two girls in my high school who were pregnant during senior year. You only had two? Yeah, we only had two. Wow. Our high school, as an aside, I, I actually left this high school before it was built. Long story. But they built an in high school daycare center. That's how big the need of it. That's how big the need for it was. That's how many teenage moms there were in the school system. Wow. In one high school. That's pretty shocking. It's because they were like, don't have sex and you won't get pregnant. And they're like, okay, but what if you do have sex? And they're like, don't. (laughs) And that's what it's taught. And then they did have sex and they were like, whoops. But then it's accepted because of where you are technically. Mm, No, they're still looked down upon. (laughs) Oh, are they? I mean, yeah. I mean, the hustle and bustle, like, there was definitely words around who the two girls were and, you know. Who the baby daddy was. Yeah. I love those. That was always the biggest drama in school. It was like, oh my gosh, Shelby had a baby and who was the dad? Oh, we knew. It was Daryl. Unfortunately, his name was, I don't remember what his name was, but they are no longer together. She found somebody else. Thank goodness. How's the baby? She's having another one. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Good on her. (laughs) But I appreciate you bringing up the topic of the need for a comprehensive sexual education. Mm -hmm. Because lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer and questioning youth need to deserve to learn in settings that are inclusive of their experiences and that give them the education necessary to stay safe and healthy. Far too many LGBTQIA plus youth are sitting in classrooms where their teachers and textbooks fail to appropriately address their identities, behaviors, and experiences, specifically through sexual education. Hundreds of studies have shown that well-designed and well-implemented sex education can reduce risk behavior and supportive positive sexual health outcomes among teens, such as reducing teen pregnancy and sexually transmitted infection rates. Inclusive programs are those that help youth understand gender identity and sexual orientation with age-appropriate and medically accurate information, incorporating positive examples of LGBTQ individuals, romantic relationships, and families, emphasizing the need for protection during sex for people of all identities, and dispelling common myths and stereotypes that behavior and identity can often construe. And I wanted to point out kind of one little study. It was the GLSEN 2013 National School Climate Survey that found that fewer than 5% of LGBTQIA students had health classes that included positive representations of LGBTQIA related topics. I believe that statistic because I don't know a single person who was taught queer sex education. And that kind of brings me to a question I wanted to ask you. In school, since you grew up in the more abstinence-only mm-hmm. view, what was it like learning about homosexuals or people who didn't conform to the gender identities that we have today? Um, well, it was just like, um, <laughs> have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you're like, your eyes are so sensitive because you've been in the dark so long and then you turn on the light and you're like, oh my God, I can't see anything. It's kind of like that. And here's what I mean. <laughs> I guess that's like fumbling in the dark. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of people didn't know what they were talking about. Oh, 110%. And we, we didn't, we were not taught about homosexual sex. I think it was like glossed over and they're like, if you want to read about it, it's on page 72, like, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Um, but I just, it was all self-taught. 
I learned how to be gay by myself. I'm a self-taught homosexual. And I'll show you my credentials. You have your own gay card? Oh, honey, it's laminated. Platinum. You got that back then? Rewards member. (laughs) Honey, I'm a CEO. (laughs) That, to me, like, growing up in my sexual education, I can't necessarily remember if it was brought up. I think Mm -hmm. it was definitely glazed over, but there was no kind of, like, negativity. So how'd you learn about gay sex then? I obviously Googled gay porn. Right. But see, that is such... Okay, so we can't just, like, leave it there. Like, now we have to address the elephant in the room. It's like, that's inappropriate. Like, we can't expect our children, I eat us... This is going to be a millennial rant, so everyone buckle up. We cannot expect children to teach themselves sex in a hypersexualized age. We can't, because if you look at, like... Have you ever seen those memes of it's, like, 14-year-olds then and then 14 year olds now now. yeah and it's like then they're like wearing like crocs and like or like jelly jelly sandals and like like cut off jeans right and it's like and now it's like kylie jenner yeah right correct and also yes but like that's that's the whole point like i think that is an extension of the failure of the united states government (laughs) i'm gonna be an enemy of the state but it's not just to not teach government it's like it's all over the world but it's it's also like you have that stigma of like not stigma but you have this problem of state versus federal where the federal government can like pass something however the states in their own right can fight against that and in their own state they can pass legislation Mm -hmm. so really it's a statewide issue and no two states are going to see eye to eye because technically every state in their jurisdiction is different due to the people that live there right so, so, okay, but my point is, across all of the states, they pretty much have a general, like, why, so, like, the government could say, this is the bare minimum that you have to teach, essentially. I know it's state-run, but each state also t- chooses, like, anti-LGBTQ views in their sexual education. So there's, like, a failure in our American society that doesn't teach children appropriately about sex in their own bodies and other and that kind of, like, shows its head as a hypersexualized culture. Because we all learn from porn. <laughs> and, like, like, so I just wanted to bring it all back around to that. And so not to get too, like, you know, jaded millennial, but I think our both of our experiences led us to the same way. Like, the same, like, overall destination. But, and maybe we got there the same way. But we had to get there on our own, kind of fumbling. And well, being, like... We don't, no one was like, you should use a very lot of lube when you put things in your butt. Meme, don't listen. (laughs) Well, so besides like being in school and learning about this, did your parents supplement any kind of information for you? Did you have, did you (laughs) feel like you had an open relationship to like ask your parents? Um, yes and no. I think we kind of talked about it in joking and... I also think that my parents kind of expected us to figure things out on our own just because of who we were as people. Like, I think they gave us a lot of, like, independence. And so, like, they assumed that we... And I think this is, like, the relationship that we have is, like, they would assume that we would ask questions if we had them. And if not, they would be able to notice and tell us. Because there have been times when they're like, hey, do you want to talk about blah, 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 you know? But I don't think we ever had the birds and the bees talk, if that's what you're talking about. Did your parents give you the birds and the bees talk? Absolutely not. The only thing that my mom said to me, mm-hmm. get ready, she, Sarah Ann goes, <laughs> just keep it in your pants. Yeah, honestly, that is good advice, especially for you. <laughs> okay, excuse you. 
trying to snatch my leg I, like you know, that. I came for you on your own show. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's taught anymore just because it, I think we kind of did it ourselves also. But I also think it's kind of a cliche, too, because, like, growing up, obviously, boys are boys. So, like, some you did talk about some topics mm-hmm. with your friends. Right. But other ones were like, yeah, that's completely off the table. But in talking with your friends, you can, like, learn a little bit more. Oh, right. But then, you know, because you're the age you are, everyone gets all uptight and it's like, well, I don't want to share that information because I don't want to sound like a freak. Right. When that's all we are. Everyone is free. Everyone is a freak in their own way. But I think because sexuality is viewed as such a, as like a negative thing, mm-hmm. people are afraid to talk about it. Yeah, it's ironic. I don't think we're going to solve that societal issue on this episode, but <laughs> I totally get it. So yeah, I think that's my over... I think it does kind of boil down to a state issue, like you said, which I know they're allowed to govern their own kind of sex sexual, sex education, but I think there should be more um, push toward inclusivity in that. There definitely should, and in doing a little bit of research, mm-hmm. I did come across a website that was called Child Trends, and it really talked about schools in specific, especially the different states. So currently, there are about 15 states, including D.C., that offer LGBTQ inclusive sex education curriculum, and um, the CDC actually does a study where they include 46 states, and they got to that conclusion of the 15 states plus the District of Columbia offering sex ed curricula or supplementary materials that included information about HIV, sexually transmitted diseases, and pregnancy prevention relevant to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and questioning youth in 2016. And this was the most recent data that they have. In the 31 remaining states, less than half of the secondary schools reported offering such curriculum or supplementary materials. Utah was one of the ones that had the lowest percentage, coming in at 20%, and it was followed closely by Arizona, which had 20.2%. I saw this same study, and I was just so baffled by that. It's just a bizarre lowly... It's just such a low number for that side of the country. Do you know what I mean? I do, and to me... I I know they're, like, rural, some of them. But I felt like they were definitely more open on that front. Mm -hmm. And it also, it just, to me, is really discouraging that kind of your your taxpayer dollars are going to obviously fund education in public schools. Mm -hmm. But the schools aren't set up only to not offer, like, inclusive sexual education, but also, like, normal things. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to balance a checkbook. The only way I learned how to balance a checkbook was I worked at a bank. I don't know how to change a tire. Like, I don't know how to do rudimentary things that right. I feel like a public school should be offering because obviously not everyone is going to go on to higher education. Right. And and we need tradespeople. We need people we who do. know hand trade. There is nothing wrong with that. Amen. This is a communist podcast <laughs> now. <laughs> but I, it was really shocking to me to see their percentages. Actually, New York had one of the highest... It had 67.5% in the state that I lived in had 57.5%. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and actually North Carolina had 41.9%. Not great. South Carolina had 25.1%. That so. sounds more about right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just honestly shocking to me that it's not something that is super cared about. Mm-hmm. 
I almost think, yeah, I think you're right. It's just not, we don't care about it enough. I also wanted to touch upon the fact that a lot of evidence has come to light that comprehensive sex education is effective at reducing high-risk sexual behaviors, promoting safer sex practices, and preventing pregnancy and sexually transmitted infections. Sex education is only legally mandated in 22 states, plus the District of Columbia. Of these, only 12 mandate that teaching about contraception and only seven require that the information be medically accurate. Which is like, what? It's honestly mind-blowing. And... What else would they use to teach (laughs) other than medically accuracy? Oh my god. Because a lot of states are so tied to religion. And they did a poll where um, they asked people from the ages of 18 to 19, 41% said they know little to nothing about condoms, and 75% say they knew little to nothing about the contraceptive pill. Yep. So not only is, like, sex education a problem, access to comprehensive sexual health, like... Paraphernalia. Yeah, is not readily available either. Right. And it just is mind-boggling because young men who have sex with men who may identify as gay or bisexual, account for more than two-thirds of new HIV infections among people ages 13 to 29. Right. And then within this group, men of color are particularly affected. Right. And additionally, additionally, get ready for this, men who have sex with men account for two-thirds of new syphilis cases, says the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and it can continue to rise... Yet young women who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual are more likely to contract an STI and are more likely to become pregnant than those who identify as heterosexual or questioning. They are also more likely to have experiences of coerced sexual contact, which can then lead to having partners who are very keen on dating violence. Mm -hmm. So not only does sexual education... To me, sexual education, like, centers around a bunch of different things. And a lot of people, I feel like, have this notion in their head that if you teach someone about sex, they're just going to become, like, a sex monkey and just, like, run around town wanting to have sex all the time. Sex monkey. And just because sex education is in front of education doesn't mean they're going to, like, teach your children or teach you a bunch of, like, kinky sex positions. Right. That's not the goal of an education system. No, it's just, it's, like you said, it's more comprehensive than just reproduction. Yeah. Amen. So, so like you said, I think it's way more comprehensive than just reproduction because um, I read through a few uh, kind of manifestos of proposed sexual education curriculum course guidelines uh, that are circling around the internet, which they do exist I can uh, link them in the show notes if we want, but there is a uh, organization called Advocates for Youth. And yeah, so essentially they've outlined that sexual education should be comprehensive and how do we do that? So there are a lot of different aspects of that, like reproductive health, um, things like consent and sexual health that are very important to teach people or especially young adults, Um, but also things like body image and self-esteem that, that kind of goes along with sex, sex ed, or it should anyway, that, that they attest to, uh, the legal kind of aspect to health and sexual reproduction. Um, that's kind of very political. So some people kind of back away from that idea, uh, but that is part of it. Identity and gender identity. That's important part of sexual education as well. 
So I have some questions for you. Go right ahead. All right, Jamie. Uh, in terms of sexual education, so sex ed, did your sex ed class touch on the topic of consent and what it do- what it means in relation to sexual health? It did not. Yeah. And that's something that I also did not, was not taught, like, explicitly, like, what is consent, what isn't consent. Um, so that's a huge thing to me that I think's missed. And I wanted to point that out as well. So Advocates for Youth has a very good outline that just kind of goes through all that. This is more of, like, a modern day thing, but gender identity, like I mentioned earlier, we weren't, I don't even think that was, like, talked about in society when we were growing up, gender identity. Not much at all. I did not. We did not learn about gender identity. No, I never had that experience until I was older. So that's something that is incorporated into a curriculum that I think is comprehensive because we need to talk about gender dysphoria and gender identity and sex assigned at birth and things like that because that's going to be more and more important as we let allow like our citizens of the earth to identify how they please, essentially. You just... Um bringing up those topics like I didn't even think about body image Mm -hmm. and how it relates to sex ed. It's just like, it's an all-encompassing thing and I do think that a lot of people get like bogged down or Mm -hmm. get discouraged when a change needs to be made, but a change does need to be made because obviously the current education system is not working. Not only for sexual health, but it's not working for a lot of things. (laughs) A lot of things, as we talked about earlier. It's also gotten worse because, I mean, thank God she's not not there anymore, but Betsy DeVos, like... Oh, girl. The amount of memes that were out there, it was funny, but at the same time, it it was concerning because I wouldn't be surprised if she did some of those things. Oh my gosh, you're right. She's crazy. She is. And I wanted to bring up, you know, in talking about all of the states who are doing well, mm-hmm. some states, I should say, that are doing well for their sexual education. So have, they're teaching, like, what we would consider a comprehensive sex ed? A comprehensive sex ed. Cool, I'm excited. Have you heard of the... What is going on in Arizona right now? Well, again, well, yes to the transgender uh, athletes bill, which, hate that. Not yes to it, no to it, but I have heard about that. I don't know if I've heard about this. So, currently, this was dated April 14th, mm-hmm. um, and specifically in Phoenix, Arizona. So, two years after Arizona lawmakers repealed a ban on any HIV and AIDS instruction that promotes a homosexual lifestyle as they faced a lawsuit, they've approved revamping the state's sex education laws to make some of the issues stricter in the nation when it comes to to LGBTQ issues. And what this specifically means is there was a lot in the article, but I kind of just wanted to pare it down to a manageable bite that people can just kind of scoop up. So it really means that schools are going to start to change how they engage students in sexual education. And it's moving more control towards the parents. So these schools are going to contact the parents to sign off on like children learning about historical gay events, historical events involving sexual orientation, such as Stonewall. They are also going to start moving questions to the parents whether they want to have their children engage in any sexual education at all. So basically, they're making this move so that it's on the parents when it's really on them not wanting to teach students about sexual education because they are more conservative and they have issues with the LGBTQIA community. Mm -hmm. And 
not only is Arizona doing this, but a couple states are following suit as well. Um, Idaho being one is now requiring notifications and opt-ins, including a discussion of sexual orientation outside of sexual education classes. Lawmakers in Tennessee and Missouri are considering measures that would require parents to be notified before the instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity, but would exclude exclude historical references. So they don't they're not even going to touch upon, you know, the gay rights movement as a whole. Oh my god! Um, in Montana, the legislature just passed a bill that initially meant that parents will now need to opt into sex education, and luckily in Montana they're seeing some pushback from that. Okay, good. But Because this is all sickening. This kind of goes back to our discussion earlier about the state versus federal. So while the federal government can mandate certain things, the state has enough wiggle room where they can push back and pass what they want to. Sure. Wow. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so varied across the states, but there are kind of regional, like, gatherings of, th- of these thoughts. But it seems kind of overwhelmingly that a lot of the country thinks in kind of an abstinence-only heterosexual sex ed- education way. Don't you, would you agree or would you disagree? I would agree. And I also think it's partly because of where they're located. Two, I think it's partly because of religion. And three, I also think it's partly because a lot of people have the mentality of if it's not broke, don't fix it. So why would I fix an education system that obviously has been turning up people? That worked for me. Yeah, who are fairly okay. But not everyone. Yeah. Agree to everything. All great points. It's just scary how many states are passing legislation like that. I'm hoping definitely under the current progressive administration, maybe Mm -hmm. some of that will change and it can be made a stance. Um, I know that possibly in the future, the Supreme Court could be expanded, which might see... You know, in certain cases, if people challenge stuff like this, it could see the reversal of those things. Right, because it goes to the Supreme Court, which may or may not rule it constitutional. Yes. That's so... You educated me so much. Jamie, thank you so much. I mean, thank you. I know you're not done yet, but I just... I loved all of that information. For people's reference, the bill that I was just previously talking about is the Senate Bill 1456. Um, It's really about parental rights... Um, and ensuring the parental rights have the ability to dictate whether their children learn about certain things. If you wanted to read a a little bit more about it, and I'm definitely interested to see what else you have to share, Austin. Yeah, I think another thing that reminds me whenever we talk about, like, state legislation, what always comes up is the big A, abortion. Yes, that does fall under sex education. And I think the... The outline that I that I talked about earlier, which was the Advocates for Youth um, sec- Comprehensive sex, edual, sex Educational Curriculum, they actually brought up the fact that a lot of um, sex ed curricula do not touch upon the topic of abortion because it is a part of sexual education, uh, sexual health, um, and whether or not we want to talk about it, it's there and it's going to happen. So... That's something that I really want to emphasize in this episode. We were definitely not talk. We did not talk about abortion at all. No. And I don't want to get into it too much, but I do think it's something that falls under the umbrella of sexual education. Right. I know for my own um, experiences, I did not Mm -mm. learn about abortion in my sex education class. Right. Um, I knew a girl in high school who had two of them, but that was the kind of only like... Connection that connection you had. that I had to it, mm-hmm. and 
I guess I would say until I was a, an adult, I didn't fully understand what that entailed. Right. So I do think that needs to be talked about, but not in the political or... Right. I Well... It's a very charged topic. Right. But the, I think the, the important thing is that the information about abortion and access should be made available. I mean, because people need to at least know about it. Because if they don't, they're going to make, you know bad decisions, wrong decisions, so... And I definitely think that in the show notes we can include this. I think that I am appreciative that there are a lot of organizations, like the one that you Mm -hmm. just mentioned, who are um, supplying the right information to the youth or to whoever wants to read about it. I just think that that needs to be highlighted more in the education system. So if a certain school isn't going to teach about it, Mm -hmm. maybe they could even just, like, hand out... Like, here's a piece of paper, here's a bunch of resources. So if you want to read about it on your own time, you can. So I think what you're saying is, like, I, we should make the all of the information available. Like, because we have, there's not, it's not about right or wrong information. It's about having all of the information. Which we have literature on everything we need to teach young adults about sexual health. But we just don't make it available for everyone. So like you said, yeah, give them the sex ed book and say, read this. <laughs> um, but hopefully we can get to a point where the whole country teaches comprehensive sex ed. I hope so. I'm optimistic. But that means a lot of adults are going to have to start talking to their kids about the birds and the bees. And maybe the thems and the these. The thems and the theys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thadies and gentle thems. Well, I do want to end the episode kind of on a lighter note. So I know that you brought a little quiz and I brought um, a little myth defunking and i also brought along a bit of fun sexual words all right well are we ready i am ready all right your first word i'm just gonna bring you some definitions just to get a warm-up going okay okay all right so a word that we all should know jamie says gender can you define it i believe i can okay i'm ready so it means that you identify with the gender that you're born with ding 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 that is generally conceived as being or perceived as being correct okay what about sex assigned at birth? So that means that you also identify with the sex that you're assigned at birth. No, what is the sex assigned at birth? Oh, it's either male or female. Okay, well, it's sex assigned at birth is exactly what it is. I gave you an easy one. It was a trick question also. Oh, okay. So it was actually kind of hard. We'll pick one. Can you define the word gender expansive? I can't. That's a hard one. And I kind of can't either. But I'll read you what I have here, okay? I don't think I've ever heard of that word, actually. So gender expansive is defined as someone who lives their life showing that they are many... Showing that there are many ways to be either a boy or a girl or both or neither. So essentially, someone who identifies a wide range of genders and gender spectrum. Like, within the gender spectrum. I enjoy that. Yeah, so it's like, I'm going to be, like neither boy or girl today i'm gonna be like gender non-existent (laughs) you know what i mean so that's kind of gender expansive that's kind of a broad term are you ready for your next term yes the word is transgender so that is a word that means you do not identify with the gender or sex that you are assigned at birth amen ding 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 you did it sister can you define the word gender Gender is a social construct, first of all. Yes! Okay. So gender means you would either fall into the category of male or female. Very good. Jamie, snaps for you. Okay, last word. It's my $100,000 college education. That's right. You spent how much? (laughs) 
Your last word is non-binary. So non-binary means that you do not identify either a male or a female. Or no, wait, you do not identify as a gender. Amen. As like an assigned gender, boy or girl, or even intersex. All right. You did so well. You brought the knowledge today. Jamie, I'm ready to play whatever you brought to the table. (laughs) So first I wanted to kind of touch upon some sexual myths. Okay, I'm ready. Um, Because obviously, you know, in the topic of sexual education, we've been talking about how there's a lot of false information out there. So I kind of wanted to see if you could kind of I'm not prove that to be true. I'm so excited. Yes, I can. I won't cheat. I'm ready. All right. So one, sex burns lots of calories. Is this a true or false question? They're all true or false. Sorry. Um, Define a lot. Okay, I'm going to say... False. It doesn't. It is false. Yeah. So you are correct. 30 minutes of sex only burns 85 to 150 calories. Oh, honey. Honey, not, honey, not me, honey. <laughs> On to number two. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So oysters and chocolates are aphrodisiacs. False. You're correct. I thought it was true, but no. Have you so, ever eaten an oyster and felt sexy? I have never eaten an oyster, period. Good for you. I'm jealous. So there is no special connection. Oysters contain lots of zinc, which is good for sperm and living a healthy life for them. And chocolate can actually be tied to low butt pressure. Low butt pressure? Low blood pressure. Gotcha. (laughs) And my next one is having a younger partner in bed means mind-blowing sex. What is this? The cosmopolitan sex? Um, How did you know my secret? uh, It's false. It is false. Because sometimes they don't know me knowing what they're doing. Sometimes they're just hatched, so. That's true, just like you. True. You lizard. (laughs) My fourth one is having a bigger member is always better. No. False. Correct. I've seen the videos. I wrote down, it's all about what you can do with it. It's the motion of the ocean. This is a cosmopolitan quiz. I knew it. And my last one is, guys who have bigger hands, nose, and feet always have larger members. True. That is false. (laughs) I just wanted it to be true. Well, you got pretty much all of them correct, which I'm super proud. So I'm going to move on to my... Fun sexual words that I have chosen for the episode. Can I guess definitions? Yes. <laughs> okay, so, I'm so ready. My first one is sporking. <laughs> Sorry. What is sporking? Is it a sexual? Is it a sexual position? Would you like me to spell it for you? Yes. It is S P O R K I N G. That's what I thought it was gonna be. Um, maybe. Is it, is it a sex position? No. I have no idea. It is spooning or cuddling with the added erection. Oh. <laughs> Sporking. Oh my gosh. That's kind of a sex position. My next one is a fling cleaning. It's when you get... Um, it's when you break up with your summertime boyfriend. No. Okay. <laughs> it is the act of tidying your room before a date in case you get laid oh. later. <laughs> Every single person ever. And the third one that I wrote down was a flirtationship. 
oh, duh, it's a friendship where you flirt aggressively, but you'll never get together. Ding, ding, ding! (laughs) The next one I have is a manther. I don't know, is it like a a man with lots of silky hair? No, it's a man, it's a male cougar. Oh my god, I love... (laughs) That's my husband. The next one I have is a jackintosh. No, I'm not gonna... No. <laughs> a Jackintosh? Yes. Like Macintosh? Yeah, J-A-C-K-I-N-T-O-S. Oh, it's a laptop that you store all your porn on. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, or it's just a computer so... specifically used for masturbation. And the last one that I have is called Roaching. Ew. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at Jackintosh and... The fact that I got that right. Roaching? Roaching. R-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. Oh, it's when you run when the lights get turned on. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you're at like no, a no, hookup's no. house and you're like, no. <gasps> don't look at me in the daylight. No, it is. Do you want to do you wanna try another? Um, Roaching. Can I have a hint? It involves two people. <laughs> um, Or more, I should say. Oh, um... No, I don't know. Maybe going to the fridge for snacks in the middle of the night? No. It is when the person you're dating is hiding that they are also dating other people. That's... And when confronted, they state they didn't realize it was a monogamous relationship. What a roach. Okay, I get it. Ew, that's horrible. It is horrible. But, honestly, you got two. First of all. And I'm really <laughs> proud of you. But yeah, Leave just, that in. I just wanted to kind of have a lighthearted way to end the episode and have our viewers and listeners have a little bit of more vocabulary. Very good. You roach. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. I am the roach for the episode. <laughs> and I hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed yourself and we can't wait to bring some more queer to your ears next week. Hear the rainbow. Toodles. Hey there, Jamie. Hey there, Austin. And hey there, Queerwigs. And thank you for listening to our latest episode. That's right. And if you can't get enough of our voices, go check out our faces on Instagram at Queers In Your Ears, where you can stay up to date on all things queer, our latest episode updates, and what we do IRL. And also... Don't forget, we want to hear your voices. So leave a review on your favorite streaming service, whatever that may be. And don't forget, and don't be shy, to give us a shout out or tag us, as we want to be able to grow our Queer Wig family. Because without you, none of this would be possible. Bye, Bye Queer Wigs! Wigs.